Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Tara Alamani. Tara Alamani is a multi-award-winning author, speaker, business consultant, and publisher, as well as a recovering serial entrepreneur and host of the Publish With Purpose Virtual Summit. Her boutique publishing company, Emerald Lake Books, which she co-owns with her best friend, Mark Gerber, specializes in working with positive people to create high-quality books designed to achieve the author's goals. In her spare time, Tara serves as a facilitator for the Independent Book Publishers Association's Member Roundtable. She's also a winemaker, a military mom to two young adults, one of each, and is owned by a black cat. Let's dive into the pond and meet Tara. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Tara Alamani. Tara, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jen. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, me too. I'm so thrilled that you're here. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> so uh, I actually started writing uh, poems as song lyrics when I was a teenager. And then I saw an ad for a uh, children's book institute and decided to, you know, it was a mail order type thing that you did through the mail. And so I did that and wrote a children's story when I was a teenager. Uh, and then my first business that I started at 19 ended up being a technical writing company that got handed to me on a silver platter. But one of the things I found is that when I was technical writing, the creative writing kind of really took a hit. It was hard to write technically in the daytime and creatively at the nighttime. And so eventually I kind of gave up the creative writing because I had the technical writing company for 16 years. Wow. And uh, when I, that one got closed down due to 9-11, uh, went some time without a job and, and without an income and all of that. Um, eventually I got back into writing just for uh, myself. And so I had multiple projects going on at the same time. In uh, 2012, I ended up putting four books out uh, at the same time that were not intended all to come out at the same time. Uh, the first was The Character-Based Leader, which is back here on my shelf. And that started as a Twitter conversation uh, with a group of people who were talking about leading change and how to lead from who you are. And at the same time, I recognized that I needed a book to build my business and brand at the time. And so I wrote a book called The Plan That Launched a Thousand Books. Now, the character-based leader was co-authored with 22 people, and so it took 16 months to get out, whereas uh, the plan that launched a 1,000 books took me about three months to write and get out on my own. So even though I started the character-based leader first, the plan came out first, and then I had two anthologies I contributed to later in the year, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And then eventually what I saw is in the first five books that I self-published, I encountered issues with each one that my mentor refers to as unconscious incompetence. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so eventually I decided that I really wanted to dig into this thing called publishing and figure out how it actually worked. Uh, and thankfully I had a, a dear family friend who had been in the business for 40 years. And so I was really able to kind of pick his brain about how the industry worked. And uh, at least from his standpoint of 40 years of experience has changed a lot since, since he retired. Uh, but, you know, I was able to take that information and grow it into my own company, Emerald Lake Books, which opened in 2014. So we're eight years in now, and I'm really excited about that. 
I love all of that. I love it's a long journey, <laughs> but I love that so much because you know we have similar backgrounds in the sense of a lot of technical writing was going mm-hmm. on in mine too. I wrote poems that were turned into pic- children's picture books too to then kind of morph that. So I love that you you shared that part because you're right that there is a there's a different way of writing, even though it is writing technical writing and creative writing, they're, they're coming from different places, albeit they might look the same. They're still requiring something a little different in order to generate that, the result, the desired result, the, the intentionality behind what you're creating, why you're doing that particular style of writing. So what helped you to decide to create the publishing company though? You know, the thing was, is I was at that point in time, you know, looking at what my life direction was going to be for, you know, the, my, my second stage for a second act and, you know, looking at it and just thinking I wanted something that allowed me to use the gifts and skill the skills that I developed over the years. Having been a technical writer after that, I'd been a business process analyst. I'd started multiple companies at that point in time. And I wanted to take all of those different things and roll them into something that was useful and something that satisfied me and felt like I was giving back in a way. And uh, so when I started Emerald Lake Books, what I loved about it was the fact that I was helping other people accomplish their dreams. I was helping them avoid the unconscious incompetence that I'd experienced trying to figure it out a lot on my own by providing them education and resources and ways to figure things out. But one of the things that I really saw as as a challenge for many self-published authors is the distribution was very hard for them to get because they only intended to write one book. And so they, they, they really didn't have a plan for writing more than that. They didn't want to go into the whole business of figuring out how do I fulfill large orders and all these different things. And so it gave me a place to really uh, leverage the skills that I developed over the years. Uh, a couple of years after I started the company, my best friend came in and became my partner. And so it's just been something that has been personally fulfilling and satisfying to be building this and, and knowing that. I'm helping other people do the things that they always wish they they could do and they doing it with quality. Yeah. And confidence. Yeah, I oh, so your point about unconscious incompetence. I <laughs> I love that so much because you're right, you don't know what you don't know and especially when you're just starting out and if it started with the idea of saying, "Wow, I really love this story." where could this go? Or look what I created. Hey, somebody else thought it was pretty good. Maybe I can do something with this. Mm-hmm. You might not have saw, you might not have visualized a, a business of sorts to at the beginning of that process. You might have just visualized the what's that very next step? Oh, I might need pictures or oh, I might need to work with an editor or oh, I know I need a book cover. What kind of book cover would that look like? You don't necessarily think too too far out sometimes, but you are. You're building a business, you're building this something much bigger than yourself when you're writing a book where you're you're growing into something and it really the more intentional and purposeful you are about that the better that quality is that you start to put forward and then the growth that you have in that in that whole journey would you agree with that I, I would. And, and it's it's one of those things that you have to do a good amount of exploration when you're writing a book. You know, we, we talk about the fact that there are three things that you really want to figure out as early in the process as possible. One is, why will the reader want to pick up your book? 
what are they hoping to get out of it? Is it just entertainment? Are they looking for an answer? Are they looking for an escape because they're feeling miserable? You know, what what is it that they're looking for uh, when they pick it up? And then you as an author, what are you hoping to get out of becoming an author? You know, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. Uh, unfortunately, the writing part is the fun part. The marketing part is time consuming. It's labor intensive and you're going to be doing it as long as you want your book to sell. So, you know, it's one of those things that you have to have a why. What's your reason for doing that? Because otherwise you're going to give up along the way and your book sales will drop. And the last one is really figuring out what's the book's impact supposed to be. Why, you know, are you trying to build a community? Are you trying to change hearts and minds? Are you trying to use the the proceeds to support your favorite charity? I mean, there's all sorts of different whys for the book, but you want to go through the process of exploring that because the earlier you do that in the process, the more pointed your writing will be. When you understand why the reader is picking it up, you'll know what questions they have that you need to answer or what you need to deliver on in the promise that you've made to them that if they invest their time and money in purchasing and reading the book, that they're going to get out of it. And so really figuring these things out early on helps with that intentionality and purposefulness of what you're doing with your book. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that so, so much. Because also when you understand that why and that purpose, you also start to then have a better vision of what other support you need to bring that book to life. You might realize that, you know, you, when you're picking an editor, you might realize that you really do need a developmental, but you might need someone, you really are looking for someone who's so clear on that genre, or that's their favorite genre, or you just really click with them and you realize something further, but you start to unpack more and you start to grow more. Or when you are thinking about how do I do this book launch? How do I start to share this, this piece that I've created? You, you get more specific. It's not just any podcast or any book signing. It's you start to think about, okay, I, this book is, this book might be about animals. So you know what, maybe doing something at a pet show or at, you know, uh, your vets might be a great place to do a book signing, even though it might seem different, but there's an intentionality because you have connected people interested in the same topic as you, and you're trying to share the goodness that you've created. i what else would you advise? Like, how do you help your readers when you are as a writer? How do you help your 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 readers? And as a publisher, how do you help your authors when you're thinking through, like, being intentional? How do you put that into practice? You know, one of the things we, we've got a couple of different exercises we do with our authors, and I use the same exercises when I'm writing my own books. Uh, one is one we call the dear reader exercise, where we have the author really sit down and get a clear picture in mind of who their reader is, uh, whether that's a friend that they know will be particularly interested in the book or a, a specific person who's struggling with a problem that the book solves. And we have them write a letter to that reader and the reader in the course of the letter answers certain questions. It establishes that connection of knowing what you're going through and what you're looking for and explains why this book is right for them and why you're the one to have written that book. It explains kind of what they can hope to get out of it. And then it makes a promise at the end that says, if you invest your time and money, this is what I guarantee you'll find. And so in doing that letter, it really helps them to get clear about their reader and what needs to be in the book. And when we do that exercise, we actually give that letter to our editors 
so that as the editor is going through it, they can say, does this book deliver on that promise? Love if it, it doesn't, there are always things that can be massaged into the book in the course mm -hmm. of the, the narrative that will help deliver on that promise. The next one we do is for the author themselves, and we call it the Dear Author Exercise. And this is a fun one. I am not a visual person. Um, and, and so when people do vision boards, that, that does nothing for me whatsoever. Uh, but what I do is what I refer to as a verbal vision board. In the Dear Author exercise, we tell the author to picture themselves 18 months in the future. Their book's been a, a wild success and people are raving about it. They, it's been received in the way the author intended. The reader's promise is delivered and they're happy and satisfied with it. And the, eight, the, the, the you that's 18 months in the future decides to sit down and write a letter of encouragement to the you of today, because there's a lot of hard work ahead of you. There's going to be frustration. There's going to be questions. There's going to be self-doubt. There's going to be that, you know, do people really want to hear me talk about my book again? And so you in 18 months in the future is writing this specifically to give you a vision of what's been accomplished. Now, the neat thing is, is we tell you there's, there's no right or wrong answer in this. You know, there's some things that probably aren't going to happen, like being on, being on Oprah's Soul Sunday and stuff like that. But uh, write it all down. Don't censor yourself. And then after you've written it, go through with a highlighter and mark all of the different accomplishments. Make a list out of those accomplishments and then start a pri prioritizing them. Pick the top three that if those three happened, you would consider your book to be a complete and total success. And then with those three, now you can look at where are you now? What do you need to do in order to get those three accomplished? And you can start charting out your course. These are the things I need to do. Now, the great thing is, is it puts bumper guards up so that if there are other opportunities that come your way that don't direct you towards the three things, you can politely decline or defer because your focus is on accomplishing those specific goals first. Once one's accomplished, you can always bump one of the other outcomes up to become one of the top three as well and start working on that. But you want to start out with the sense that your book has been the success that you imagined from the very beginning. And when you're on that path towards achieving those goals, you really do see it in sight after a while. You really do start feeling like, this can happen, that this really can happen. And my book can be as fulfilling as I had intended it to be from the very beginning. And with all the time and effort we put into it, of course, that's what every single one of us wants is to feel like we didn't waste our time, that this wasn't a, a fool's errand and, and you know, that, that it really did make a difference. So using these types of exercises to paint that vision for yourself of the happy reader and your future success really helps you figure out how to chart your course to get there. I absolutely love all of that. I'm like beaming over here with little goosebumps happening too. I think that that is brilliant. And even though you could easily see the, the correlation for nonfiction with what we're talking about, because it's a lot of, to me, when I think of nonfiction, it really, it, the, the reader is that hero, if you will, that journey they're going on. But it's for the reader. They've, they've got a problem. They're picking up the book to read for some kind of solution, some kind of answer as a piece to help them move forward. And by the end of the book, there should be some kind of change or transformation. It might be a mindset. It might be tactical pieces. It might just be that little thing that they go, oh, I didn't realize that. And I try something different. And maybe they pick the book up again in six months or a year, reread it, and they gain something else out of it. But the first time they read it, 
they got what they needed at that point in time. So as I'm listening to all of this, it's very easily correlated to not to nonfiction, but I hear correlations for fiction. And I know you see that too. Would you talk a little bit more about that transition? Because so many times, you know, like your, your point about the escape, but this exercise, these exercises would be fabulous for fiction writers too. Mm -hmm. Yep, we actually we do them with fiction writers as well. The questions for the dear author letter and or the dear reader letter are slightly different mm -hmm. because it's not so much about why are you the one to tell this story, but more about what do you love about this story or what do you hope readers will love about this story. And you know this this applies to children's books because parents are looking for children's books to be able to teach their children certain values teach them how to handle certain social situations There's and, and just to be able to bond with their children. So it applies there. It applies to romance and mystery and thriller because there are certain things that readers are looking for when they pick that up. Uh, thrillers, you know, people want to be scintillated. They really want to get into an adventure and feel like they've gone out and done something exciting. Whereas romance, you know, they, they want to feel that swooning worthy feeling at the end and really, you know, just just enjoy the happily ever after. The mystery, they want to they want to exercise their intellect and try and figure out, all right, you know, what are the clues? What am I seeing leading up to? Can I solve this before? And sometimes it feels disappointing if you can solve it before. So what you want to think of as a writer is how can you start adding elements in there so that the writer's not disappointed? Maybe I need a red herring or two. So all of this becomes part of when you understand why the reader's picking it up. You know, is it just escape? Is it because they want to exercise their intellect? Is it because they want something to talk about with their friends? You know, the next brunch they go to and, and they're going to, you know, chat over what books they're reading these days. Or maybe they've just seen a movie they really loved and they want to figure out if the book is any better. You know, so <laughs> all of these different things you want to think about and, and really think from the perspective of your reader. Was it the cover that enticed them? Was it the, the you know, what is it about the book that made it, them pick it up? Because the cover is usually the first thing that's going to make it pick, make them pick it up. Usually then it's the back cover blurb that's going to be looked at next. And those have to really clearly identify what the book is about so that the reader knows whether or not they even want to crack the spine and, and take a look at the first paragraph. So people talk about how important the first paragraph of the book is, but in actuality, that that's like third on the list of most important things. Well, and you know, something that you mentioned just then, I'm curious of your thoughts on this because so when I think of children's books in particular, I think of two audiences. I think of the reader as the child. So we have the child that we're thinking about. And then I also think about the consumer, if you will, and that's sure. the parent. And they really have, they have similar goals, but then they're slightly different depending because they're looking at two different things. A child's not necessarily reading the book on what, what value can I learn? They're reading like, this is a really cool book about, you know, a cat or a monkey or what have you. And I like this story. So I would, do you have any suggestions when you're thinking of them when they're a little different like that? Yeah, you know, you have to think about, in, in, in all instances, you really need to think about the reader and the buyer. Even with trade books um, where, you know, they're typically the same person, but they're not always the same person. You may be, you may have a manager who buys books for everyone in their department because he wants them all to be on the same playing you know, page in terms of how we're doing things. When, when you come to children's books, there's additional 
things that you're going to be looking for. So for instance, the buyer may be a school librarian or a grandparent, and you can have multiple different buyers. And so you need to think through what are the things that they're going to want to see in the book in order to feel like this is a good resource for me to use with my kids. So if you're hoping for a book that's going to go into a school setting, you want to make sure that you have discussion questions so that the teachers have something to work from. Uh, you're going to want a vocabulary list. You're going to want to make sure that you've had measurements taken so that you have your F&P score and your Lexile score so that educators know where it fits in their classrooms. If you're talking about grandparents or parents, you're going to be thinking about you know, are they picking this up for a fun birthday gift, uh, you know, where it just needs to be silly and goofy and something they can play with and just have bonding, bonding time? Or is this something to teach values that we hold dear? And if so, you know, how do we make that something that's fun and enjoyable for the kids? So you want to think through all of those different things to make sure that you're really making the connection. Uh, so as much as, as people like to talk about the craft of writing, it definitely is a craft, but it's also an art. There are yeah. things that you need to have to make it feel complete. Just like you typically wouldn't just have a photograph, you'd have a photograph and a frame and maybe a mat and all these different things that go to com complete the entire image. You have the same things that go along with books. Yeah. And one thing as I was, as you were describing all of that, something that came to me that I know that you have done is you released a second edition for one of your books and how do you know when it's time to do a second edition and honoring that whole space again of the why you're doing this for the reader your intention like how do you know that dance for and especially for a, when you're evaluating your books yeah, so I've done for my own books, I've done a couple of books, uh, second editions. So the first one that I told you about, The Plan That Launched a Thousand Books, I did a second edition of when I felt like some of the resources that I discussed in it were outdated and there were things that I no longer recommended and other things I did. So I, I did a second edition. We almost went to a third edition when I realized that it really wasn't the market I was trying to attract anymore. And so instead, I opted to write Publish With Purpose instead, which really spoke more nearly to the the audience we were trying to attract. Uh, when it came to The Best Is Yet To Come, which is my memoir, uh, I opted to do a second edition purely because that was one of the ones I'd published with somebody else and I wanted to bring it back in-house. So I wanted to have uh, the, the, the publishing rights to it, mostly so that I could get inexpensive author copies <laughs> because the publishing house that had published it was only giving me a 20% discount on an overly priced book. And it was like, no, let's just do this right. So brought it in-house. But for other books uh, that we've published and we've done second editions on, it's it's because uh, one of them that we're working on currently is because the world has changed since the pandemic. There are things that uh, in that particular book have shifted and things that she the author hadn't considered initially that really should be in a book on her topic now. So we've, we've done that. Uh, we've published somebody else's second edition who had self-published their first one. And they opted to do the second edition with us because they wanted to improve the quality. They'd, they'd self-published. They had done as much with it as they could on their own. But a lot of the feedback that they were getting initially was that there were design issues. There were editing issues. There were things that as much as the content was good, it wasn't how the author really wanted to present himself in the world. Yeah. And so he came to us and, and asked for help. And so we did a second edition of that that has really worked out very well for him. 
Yeah, but so these all sorts of reasons. Like, yeah, but just but what you're saying still goes back to those core questions that you were sharing earlier, where you're really having the clarity of your why, what's the book's purpose, what's your intention, and and how are you serving your reader? How are you helping your reader? So if updating those resources, that's for you for the results you want for the book, and you really want that for your reader. You're trying to provide them with the best information you possibly can. So, and then your reasoning for yourself could simply just be, it feels like I'm in line with integrity. This is important to me that I have the most current pieces out there as I can. So it could be just something as simple as that, but it, Mm -hmm. but the sheer fact that each of everything you've said all still goes back to those three questions that I, I love how simplistic that is, but yet it's powerful. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be complex, but it's powerful. It was funny because when I wrote the book published with purpose and I asked Penny Sanseviere to write the forward, uh, it was interesting because ultimately what we came up with was the fact that this was a book about writing, sort of, and a book about marketing, sort of, but what it really was, was a holistic approach to what authorship really is about. And it it has mindset, it has, you know, messaging, it has all of these different things, but it starts with knowing your reader's why and knowing your why. And once you know those two, then you can start trying to figure out how to bridge the gap. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Tara, this has been absolutely awesome. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? Where can they be get to be a part of your world? All right. Well, they can uh, certainly become a part of my world by visiting my website, which is emeraldlakebooks.com. You'll find my books in the catalog there, but you'll also find uh, free resources that we do for authors. So for instance, if you are an author thinking about working with a publisher, we have an opt-in called 61 Questions to Ask Before Choosing a Publisher so that you can make the best decision for you. And uh, that's the best way to kind of connect with me is through there, or you can email me at info at emeraldlakebooks.com. Awesome. Tara, thank you so, so much. This has been fabulous. Thanks, Jen. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.